what is it going to be like when we're with God in heaven? But praising his name, magnifying his name. We're not going to be doing it with yawn, with tire, you know. We're not going to be doing it like it's boring. From the depths of our heart, our spiritual proverbial, I don't know what kind of body we'll have, but from our hearts we'll be praising him forevermore, never tiring of such. And so we're talking about these relationships, and this is the absolute pinnacle that we're talking about, when we are absolutely face-to-face with God. And if you remember last week, we read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and in verse 12 was talking about how, you know, when we were as a child, we thought like a child, so on and so forth. For now we see Him dimly, but then face-to-face. And just as Ben read for us in 1 John chapter 3, I want to reread it because this is such an important text for us. John says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be just like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so when we look at this message about our relationships one another, and we talked about our our initial fundamental relationship, and that's to have one with God. If we don't have a relationship with God, everything we do here, the time you come to quote-unquote church, the time you spend at home with your family, all the work that you do, all the recreation that you enjoy, all of that when you breathe your last will mean nothing to you. Nothing. And yet the flip side is true. If you have a relationship with God, and Steve brought this out in his prayer, We have everything. All the hardships that you go through and endure, all the trials of the difficulties of life, everything that you think brings pain to you, all of that has great meaning. Because you've endured in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, because of Jesus Christ. And so everything has meaning. And so we're talking about then the relationships that we have with people in this world. And we looked at those things a couple of weeks ago. How if we can look at our relationship with God with such humility and its reality that without the blood of Jesus, none of us in this room, I don't care how morally upright you have lived your life. Without the blood of Jesus, you're no better off than the person who has killed a million people. No better off. You stand condemned before God just as the next person without the blood. And so it should humble us that every one of us in this room, every one of us on the face of this planet is lost. And by God's grace, we have that salvation. And so we look at people in this world very different, I think, when we understand that because then it helps us to To have this humility and air about us, a quality about us that says, I know exactly what you are like. Before I had the blood of Jesus Christ, I was no better than you. 
And it takes a Christian coming to that understanding and then permeating a lifestyle that shows that humility to then reach some soul who is looking for the Lord and see someone that says, we're just in the same boat. The difference is you're now in the kingdom of the Lord through Jesus Christ, and that's where I need to be. When someone gets to that point, they see what you're teaching, the gospel message, the good news, and they see that humility in you in your life, they're more apt to hear the truth of that message. And then the same thing is true when you talk about your relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. And last week, you know, we we're thankful to God that we we're able to see a lesson where we can look at brethren to our left or to our right. Those who are more liberal than, than I am and more conservative than I am for whatever those terms mean in how we view the scriptures. There's always brethren to your right and your left. And to note that God is going to be that ultimate judge and we're going to need that mercy. We're going to need that grace because we won't be perfect, whether it's from a doctrinal standpoint, no matter how much we strive. And the reason for that is because we all grow through our lives if we're drawing near to the Lord. We all make changes in beliefs and practices, even though the truth is always there. The truth is always stable and enduring. We are the ones that change. And so with that humility, again, we look at one another. Give glory to God that we have fellowship in the name of Jesus Christ with one another. And at the end, he is the one that will bring forth everything to light. That's the reality. I want to talk about when this hope that we're talking about in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, turns into the kind of reality when we're face to face with God. But we cannot get there until we get to this point. We have a standard of righteousness. With that standard, remember Matthew, I believe it's Matthew chapter 5. I'll go back to Matthew chapter 5, the last um, two verses. I want you to look at the text here. Yes. The last verse. After Jesus gave the standard by which all should live righteously by, He sums it all up and says... Therefore, you shall be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, brethren, I've got news for you, and you already know this. But this and that's not going to happen from a practical standpoint. It's not going to happen. When Jesus said this, it is my conviction... That while we should be striving to live just as he said and have this righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees. We're not going to be perfect. And that's why we need a savior. What he is saying is, well, don't just give up then because you're not going to be perfect. What he is saying is. Your perfection is going to come through your savior. But here's how you live. You live just as God is. He's full of truth. He's full of love. And that's the way you live your life. And the thing is, every one of us, even mature brothers and sisters in Christ, don't live this way perfectly. I mean, just spend enough time with one another and you get to see it. It comes to truth. You see the truth that we don't live this way always. That's a reality. 
And so if we have this standard, then we're not perfect. And we look at scriptures and we saw them in times past. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It says, indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and never sins. That's just, that's the reality. There's not one righteous. And in fact, Paul said that in Romans chapter 3, right? In verse 9. There's no one who is righteous. Not before God. We all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That's what we have. And yet the standard is be perfect. Why? Because God is perfect. And if we're going to have fellowship with our holy God, we have got to be holy. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter. Be holy for I am holy. And so if we're going to be face to face with God, we have got to live perfectly. And the only way I can see in Scripture that we can live perfectly is through Jesus Christ. All right. So what's Jesus look like? Well, we noted a few weeks ago, in fact, a month or two ago, in a lesson about the character of God, that Jesus is the express image of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. It tells us this. Hebrews 1 says in verse 2, In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is the exact representation. He is the very character of God. So if we can look at Jesus... Our Savior, the one whose blood was shed for us, and look at his life of perfection, then those of us who emulate him in our lives, those who put on Christ, those who put on, if you will, love and tender mercies, those those things that we looked at the last two weeks, then we can see what God is like. Because we saw it in the life of Jesus, the very thing that he teaches us, to live this way. And if we live this way, then comes this truth. That while I live in the flesh, and we're talking about this in our Bible class in in this auditorium this morning. While we live in truth for the Lord, we're going to realize we won't do it perfectly. I want you to look at this passage one more time. It's in Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. And then we're going to see this express image of God, the very nature of God through Jesus Christ being emulated in our lives when we finally get into the eighth chapter. In chapter seven, remember, the last part of the, this whole chapter is I love God. I love his law. I want to do it, but I fail doing it perfectly. And I hate sin. Want to be far away from it. But even that which I hate, there are times when I do it. So look at the last two verses. In Romans chapter 7, it says here in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself will serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And Richard brought out a passage in our Bible class saying, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, flesh is weak. Brethren, if we're wanting to be face to face with God, it only comes through Jesus Christ. 
And when we have Jesus Christ in our lives, when we put on Christ in that bath of baptism, if you will, when we're immersed into Christ, not just with water, if you will, but immersed in our very lives, then we're going to walk with him. Chapter 8 of Romans chapter 8 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. One more time. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I may serve the law through, through the, um, the law of sin through the flesh with my mind, my, all my strength, all my desire. I want to serve the Lord. And my lifestyle is that I do. And you see it in my lifestyle. This is what happens to a person who walks with the Lord, who walks not according to the flesh. See, the, the flesh we despise. We want to be holy. We want to be unlike this common and perverse world. We want to be just like Jesus Christ. And when we're just like Him, we put on Christ in the way that we live and behave toward one another in our relationships. That's why when we looked at a ton of passages last week, like 1 Corinthians 13, like Romans chapter 8, verse 29, following when, when we can be conformed to the image of His Son, then... We've got an understanding of what it's like to be face to face with our God. Then we can understand, in my estimation, a passage like 1 Corinthians 13, of which when Paul is speaking to them, wants them to understand, here's how you solve all your problems. Love one another. Paul said that over and over and over in every single letter that he wrote. The Apostle John made that very clear in 1 John, which we just read this morning, and which Ben read for us in that scripture reading. That's what we have. It is that love that puts on tender mercies and kindness and long-suffering, believing all things, bearing all things, enduring all things, hoping all things. That's the way Jesus Christ lived. That's the way God was with us, long-suffering, even while we're enemies of Him and enemies of His Son. And when we understand this kind of love, know what happens. In fact, I'll give you this illustration from a personal standpoint and then from a collective standpoint. Personal standpoint, I already gave to you in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12. Now we see dimly. If we don't fully have that love, we see dimly. That's my estimation of that passage in 1 Corinthians. But then face to face, when we finally have love, because faith, hope, and love are the things that abide, but the greatest of them is, is love. That's what he wants them to have. And the same thing is true when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, when he tells them, here's how I want you to behave. Here's the service that I want you to be engaged in, building up the body of Christ. Now look at what he says in verse 11 following. He gave some, that is Jesus Christ, who died, rose again, and overcame death. He gave, with this bounty, if you will, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. 
to win. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're talking about to a perfect body. Just like a perfect man, a mature man. That we should no longer be children, verse 14, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Well, the contrast of that is, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. That this body may grow up in all things into him who is the head, who is Christ Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. How? Speaking the truth in love. According to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's how we become mature collectively. We put on Christ. We sing the song, God is love. That's what we put on. It's not until we get that that we understand what it's like to be face to face with God. Brethren, when you go home, I would hope that you would take the time today. Read First John. Because when, when you get to verses 1, 2, and 3 in First John chapter 3, it's based upon everything up until that point. That is why there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And John, the apostle, brings that out in that letter when he says, we have no sin in us. You know, we have no sin. Now, it's different than what he was saying in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, that those who say they have no sin are liars. But he goes on to say that those who are found in God, those who love one another, those who serve, there is no sin. Why? Because we're perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. How? Through the blood of Jesus. That's how. cannot help but think over the last few months talking to brothers and sisters in Christ who have now gone on before us. Whether it was Jimmy, when it was Aunt Opal before she got sick and passed on, talking to Mr. Luther, talking to brethren that I've known over the years including a new brother in Christ as far as I was concerned, Mr. Bill Cavender, talking to him before he passed away. In every one of those conversations, I got to talk to my brothers and sisters in Christ and say, you know what? And this was before Aunt Opal passed on, I remember. You're close. And that's a good thing. It really is a good thing. Because from a physical standpoint, we dimly see. But then face to face. Faith becomes reality. And everything we do then right now, brethren, everything we do is for that very purpose of being face to face with God, magnifying His name. Everything. We've got to live this way. We've got to think this way. You have got to be, and excuse my terminology for this, you've got to be brainwashed in a positive way, if I can use it that way. Brainwashed is always a negative term, so I'm using it very differently. 
But you've got to change that mind. You've got to have your mind renewed by the Spirit of God. Romans 12, verse 2. When you think this way, it affects how you speak to individuals, how you speak about individuals, how you build one another up in Christ Jesus, how you can talk to a brother or sister in Christ who is facing death. It's eminent in their lives. And they face it with great joy in their heart. Brethren, our whole lives is all about being with God. And so we need to stop. Stop living shallow lives. Stop living to, to do everything for, for me. That's what I see on TV. That's what I see, that's what I see in my life. It's everything is about selfishness. And it's, it's the furthest thing from the reality that God has for us to live. It's to be with Him forever. To sit around that throne, magnifying His name the way you read it in the book of Revelation. It's what you see by all the angels who give themselves over to the will of God. Always magnifying Him. Always doing His will. Again, just as Steve prayed. That's what happens when we're face to face with God. And all we have right now is but a shadow of it. But boy, we can sure make that shadow look pretty good by the way we live. We can make that shadow as close to reality of what heaven is like by the way we live. Now, we won't be perfect at it. All, all I have to do is say something to you that might offend you. You say something to me that might offend me. Or say something, even if it's a truth, to someone who is in this world. And the gospel is very offensive to those who do not believe. But you can see that shadow looking a whole lot just like our Savior. We're trying to be conformed to. To the very image of our God Himself. And I'm telling you right now, brethren, when you breathe your last, and if you've lived your life this way, trying to give Him that glory, when you lived your last... You get to be face to face with Him. Because you already are. It's just by way of faith right now. We may not be able to physically see Him, but right now I can see God as clearly as He is my Father. By faith. And when I live that way, I know, I am absolutely assured, no questions at all, that when I breathe my last, I'm with Him. Brethren, that assurance is not because of anything that I can do other than live by faith. That assurance is because of the blood that paid that ransom for me. That's the assurance. Brethren, you can have that assurance.